Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. Alex, how are you? I'm very good, very good. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good, thank you. Good, good, good. Now, it's such a pleasure to host you on this uh, Business Worth and Mindset podcast. So, very kind of you to, to come and uh, grace us with your presence. So, really appreciate it. So, My pleasure, Alex. Thank you for inviting me. It means a lot. It really does. Yeah, uh, thank you. Because you you've got an, an an incredible story, so I thought uh, you know it'd be good for our listeners to sort of tap into that and your your wisdom as well. So um, uh, because it's uh, you know as you know the power of stories to inspire people as well, and that's what this podcast is all about. So uh, I thought uh, initially we'd sort of uh, pick it up by just. Um, you know, following a bit of your journey from the beginning uh, to sort of uh, take us through uh, your journey and, uh, you know, from the beginning to where, where you are now. And within that, we can uh, tap into specific areas to sort of look into, you know, the challenges and the successes and the lessons and, you know, how, you know, our listeners can get to be inspired by that as well. So if we could uh, start it off that way, just take us through your, your life story and your journey. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. So, where do we start? Um, I think I want to start, Alex, by saying that whatever story we create in our lives, it's very important to understand that it's just a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just a story. Mm. But isn't it true that we, rather than becoming the director of that story, that film, yeah. we actually become the main actor? We yeah. get so immersed as that key character. And we think that is us, that defines us. We think we are the, you know, the John Wayne, I'm showing my age here, I suppose. <laughs> um, but we are that central character rather than, no, you're yeah. the director. And if you don't like a particular scene mm-hmm. or, you know, or a chapter in a book, change it. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so putting that in some, in some context, so my story, which is, mm-hmm a true account of events, but nonetheless is just a story. Yeah. It kind of goes back to when I was eight years, eight years old and my mother remarried. Uh, she married a guy that lived next door to us and we uprooted. So I was from an inner city council estate, really loved that kind of earthy, industrial, you know, tightly knit community. We were very, very, very poor, but we were happy. Um, I was I was with my mother and my grandmother and with a, a little black and white mongrel dog called Rocky and my mm-hmm. and I had a football. That was it. My world was complete. My <laughs> world was absolute bliss. Yeah. Wow. And a year later, um, when I was eight, my mother married a guy, the guy next door, and things changed dramatically. So we moved away from the inner city council estate. We moved out to the countryside. Mm. I was a country boy, Mm -hmm. and I hated it. I hated every second of it. 
Um, and, uh, what happened was I'd been took away then from not only what I'd been used to in my formative years, but also away from my grandmother, yeah. uh, away from Rocky. And this whole um, sort of separation from everything I've known. So I wasn't allowed to listen to music anymore. And I loved music, always mm. loved music, particularly ballad music. Yeah. Um, the soothing effects of that, even as a child. And particularly, I loved football. Mm. I was football crazy. Me and Rocky would spend hours on the backyard. He, he was the defender trying to yeah. stop me scoring. And his way of defending was to try and pop the ball with his teeth. <laughs> so <laughs> my job was a striker to put the ball between the clothesline and the yeah. end <laughs> before he got to it. And then when I put it over the line, I had to run and get it back before yeah. he then chased the ball and got it again. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I'd been taken away from all this. Mm. But that was nothing, Alex, compared to what was to follow. That was emotional. Um, to start with, it got worse because what happened within a very short space of time, I noticed the guy and I labelled him the beast, his attitude changed. Mm. And and I'm going to use a word now, which is a very, very strong word. Now, very mindful of the words I use in my stories and in my language and in my life because mm. words have energy. Yeah. Evil. The guy mm. was evil. His depraved mm. acts of abuse, violence, mm. um, and basically started to pick on me. Wow. Uh, not only with sort of undermining emotionally, uh, but also with physical violence. And my mother used to step in to try and protect me, for which she'd get a beating. This was on a daily basis. Wow. And what happened over a period of time was she'd leave him and then he promised to change and she'd go back, you know, and it was like a yo-yo, yo-yo, yo-yo. Mm. Now, what I also found out at the age of 10 was that my mother was a secret drinker. Oh. And she smoked heavily. And I latterly found out in, um, as, as the years and the decades went by, that was her crutch, that was her survival mechanism to cope. Mm. And yeah. so what happened was um, throughout this torture, this lasted for, for six years. Yeah. And then there was this particular incident where I'd get, I'd got, I went to an all-boys grammar school. Uh, I'll rephrase that. I was on the register at an all-boys grammar school because I never went. I went to um, – we left, we left the countryside after 18 months, and when we went back to the inner city area – um, so I kind of felt that I was home. But by this time, Alex, 18 months later, my head was screwed completely. Wow. And I'd learned the art of survival in its most yeah. basic, crudest form to the point where I, I can remember is I will kill. I will kill. Because that was my mindset. It was like, yeah. you know, it's almost back to the caveman days of the saber-toothed tiger, eat or yeah. eat, eaten. It was that primitive, that instinct, but there was something inside me that said, no, I will mm. kill before I'm killed. Mm. And I had, one, I had one target in mind for this, and it was the beast. I would kill the beast. So from a child, from the age of 10, that dominated my thoughts. Mm. But that was interspersed by kindness and love 
from from womankind. My mother never lost her love. My grandmother never lost her love. And, yeah. you know, at an early age, from sort of 10, 11 years, I started discovering girlfriends, whatever girlfriends mean at that age. But there <laughs> yeah. was a softness. There was a warmness. There was, I don't know, there was something about it that says, wow, this is beautiful. So the contrast of that compared to the, the mindset of I will kill. Yeah. Very, very stark and very polarized. Mm. And in my autobiography of emerging from the forest, yeah. I put a chapter in, uh, well, a part of the book that says the black and white years because my world had become either black, as I saw it, or white. Or white, yeah. There was nothing in between. Yeah. That was it. And black became a metaphor is I'm on one of my wild drinking sprees and I will self-sabotage. I will put myself to the sword. I will destroy everything that I've built up, particularly people that show me love. Because what had also happened, Alex, is I developed this um, certainly, well, it was self-hate. It was yeah. self-hate because I'd been told from an early age of eight, you're nothing, boy. You're disgusting. You're vile. Nobody will ever love you. You're pathetic. Yeah. You know, and in those early formative years, if you, I have an old saying that if you stay in the barbershop long enough, you'll have your hair cut. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably a bad metaphor for you and I, Alex, because... Yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but anyway, but this was part yeah. of the belief system that I was creating based mm. on raw instinctive survival, yeah. knowing that yeah. one day I would redress the balance for this sickening yeah. existence that had been bestowed upon my mother and me. Mm. What happened was it was a very amusing situation that led to things coming to a head in 74. Um, what had happened prior to, prior to that was um, my belief system that kept me going, other than you know the love of, of womankind, mm. was the belief, the fervent belief, that one day I would wear with pride the red shirt of Nottingham Forest Football Club. Um, amazing. <laughs> that kept me going. Yeah. March 74, Forrest lost two games in the mm. space of 48 hours, ironically, to teams that play in black and white. Wow. On the 23rd, uh, sorry, on the 21st of March, they played away at Goodison Park in an epic um, cup replay mm -hmm. against Newcastle United. Newcastle United got through. Newcastle United then went on to Wembley to meet Liverpool and got beat 3-0 in the final. There's a whole backstory around that, but that's, yeah. that's not, you know, here's not the time or place for that. So they'd lost to Newcastle who were playing black and white. 48 hours later, there was a way at Craven Cottage in Fulham's ground in London who played in black and white. They lost 2-0. My yeah. world was destroyed. I can remember even now. Um, I smile, Alex, as I look back. You know, this I'm barely fourteen by this time, mm. thirteen and a half, and it's like words like betrayal, disgust. How can you do this to me? This is my thoughts towards Nottingham yeah. Forest Football Club. Strong words. Yeah. yeah, I give you everything. I'm devoted to you. I'm committed to you, and you do this treachery. You lose two games in 48 hours. My world has been blown apart. And despite all the violence, all the emotional torture that I'd softened, and I use that word loosely, 
by drinking because I found out where my mother's secret stashes of whiskey and sherry were. And boy, did I hate whiskey. I, just the smell, the taste, but I took it for the hit to take the pain out of, yeah. you know, of what I was experiencing. And it took the physical pain out, Alex, but it couldn't take out the emotional pain. Emotional, yeah. That was deep-rooted and that was festering. And that was festering to the point where I said I developed these um, these whole limiting beliefs and self-sabotage and anything that was good that came then into my life in a white phase, I had to destroy it. Yeah. I couldn't cope with it. I wasn't I, I didn't deserve this. I didn't deserve this love of this beautiful girl uh, or in latter life woman i didn't do it no i'm i'm rubbish i'm vile i've been told that i know i am but i know how to survive yeah so i was like a rebel with or without a cause i didn't really care this is what i'm yeah. going to do and more importantly i'm going to fight for the underdog and i remember using those words not even knowing what they mean i'm a kid i don't understand yeah. <laughs> but you pick up words don't you and you throw yeah. them around like confetti mm. uh, and I think we all do that, you know, in everyday life. Quality is a word that we bandy around like confetti. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay, so what does quality mean? Well, you know, quality is quality. Well, no, what does it mean? Well, you know. Yeah. Well, no, I don't know. What does it mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what happened, Alex, was on this fateful Saturday night after they'd lost to Fulham, I thought, I'm going to end it all. I Whoa. can't cook anymore. I can fight and I can fight and I can fight, but the one thing I truly, truly believed in, other than my mother, mm. was Nottingham Forest Football Club, and they'd, they'd betrayed me. They'd stabbed me in the back by daring to lose two games. I mean, it was ludicrous thinking. Yeah. yeah. But it was. this is the power of beliefs for you, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. I ran away that night. I managed to escape from my bedroom because I was kind of confined to barracks all the time. So when I used to get home from school, uh, supposedly school, I used to be on the streets playing football or, you know, with a girl or what have you at a very early age. Um, mm. But then I used to go back, inverted commas, home, what seemingly was like a school day. Yeah. And but so I was straight upstairs, cold strip wash in the kitchen, straight upstairs, bread and jam for my tea, and that was it. Up till the next morning, mm. it was literally like being in prison. So, but then I had to go to the shop at seven o'clock, well, seven o'clock every night, and I was called down, and I knew that had happened. Mm. This particular Saturday, the 23rd of March, I was called down half an hour earlier. But it didn't matter because what I'd done, I'd already created my dastardly plan. So I went into the bathroom and I got uh, a razor blade and I put it down my underpants, ready yeah. that, knowing that when I'd gone, I was going to go somewhere. And there's an area uh, where the mining village where next to me was called, um, there's some caves where all the coal lorries used to go from. We called it, these kids, we called it Dicky Dido's. And yeah. it was very desolate and nobody would ever find me. And I didn't want it to be in the bedroom because I didn't want my mother to find me. Yeah. But I knew what I was going to do. So I ran away. I was called down to go to the shops. I wasn't going to no shops. I was about two miles away. I ran to Dickie Dido's, and I was going to do the deed. And something very, very, very profound happened in that moment, because I sat in that sort of shallow cave, isolated away from it, and with the razor blade over my left wrist, Alex, ready to do the deed. Bearing in mind, I'm 13 and a half years of age. Wow. 
there's nobody in that cave. And I'd got my back to the wall. Mm. And just as I'm about to swipe my left wrist, something pushed me forward and I fell to the floor. And I mean hard. I can, I can still recall it now. Mm. I still recall it now. And something happened there, Alex, that hadn't happened for years. I cried and I cried and I cried because part of my conditioning, inverted commas, from the beast was, shut up, big boys don't cry. Mm. What are you, a girl? Are you a sissy? These were the words, and it's like, and I believed it. And I believe that big boys don't cry. In fact, not only that, you don't show weakness. You get in first, you win at all costs, and you kill or, you're, or you'll be killed. Killed, yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was it. And when I played football, my mentality was the same. Yeah. I was actually in life quite a carefree, loving child. All I wanted to do was kick a ball around. We're rocking. Yeah. Was, and yeah. listen to pop music, ballad. That was bliss. That was it. I was loving. I was creative. And all that had been taken away. I'd gone now from that creativity being stifled to, and when I played football, that manifested. I wasn't an attacker anymore. I was a defender. And by mm. the way, my attitude is you ain't going to score because I'll break your legs if you go past me. This was my thinking as a child. You yeah. did go past me. I will break your legs. Wow. wow. And that was my mindset because I'd gone from being a creative flair player in life and in football mm. to being a cynical dark destroyer at the risk yeah. of stealing Nigel Benn's uh, title uh, handle there, the dark <laughs> destroyer, who was one of my heroes, middleweight world champion Nigel Benn. And anyway, so th this, this kind of, this happened, Alex, and as I hit the floor, what seemed, and I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And as I got up, I felt different. And I looked for that blade, and that blade wasn't there. Mm. And there was nobody there because nobody could have pushed me from behind because my back was against the wall. Against the wall, yeah. And I had that realization, and that's where I, I, <laughs> I got that phrase, right, from now on, I never, you know, when we talk about fight or flight, yeah. I never fly again. From now on, everything I do, I will fight. And I will fight for the underdog. And I'm going to start with my mother protecting yeah. her. So I yeah. ran back, back home, and the beast just laid into me. Where have you been? Blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I just stared at him. Yeah. You know, and every time he kept knocking me down, my mother, obviously, then she's getting a, you know, uh, a beating as well and it was just i mean this this was the chaos that prevailed daily yeah and i just there was a quietness there was no emotion from me alex other than to just get, get back up and just keep staring straight through him yeah and i can yeah again i can remember it's funny i mean i've got no energy attached to these things anymore because i've let it go but yeah. as i recall and that what 74 you know, that, that was 14, that was 46 years ago. Oh, wow. Record it like that, but there's yeah. no emotion attached to it anymore. It's a story. The story, yeah. Wow. A true yeah. one. But what happened was I just muttered to him, one day soon, I'm going to kill you. One day soon, I'm going to kill you. That is a promise. Whoa. You know, it was so cold and so matter-of-fact. And I knew that there was a turning point there. I knew 
Because when you, I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your own life, mm. Alex, or people can relate. When you look a bully straight in the eye, I can tell within a split second that that person has lost that that control. It might be just a little drop of the eye or, or yeah. it's something when you look into their eyes with your own, and it's about you regaining that control that says, mm. I choose not to give you any more power over me. Power, yeah. And that's yeah. what happened. I didn't know any of this at the time. At the time yeah. But that's what happened. Mm. It was actually 14 years later when the attempt took place. 14 years. Because, yeah. And by that time, I'd kind of built myself up, knocked myself down. My life had become a polarized black and white, black and white. I'm in the gutter. I'm, I've just lost my job because I've you know, been on a wild bender or I've hit somebody or been in a fight or whatever it is. It was, it was, you know, it was deliberate. It was, this is yeah. what I know. I built things up to sabotage them. To then sabotage. I showed my strength to build them up again. And then I sabotaged them, mm. self-destruct. But what I learned, Alex, was in those white phases, right, it's almost in boxing terms, you've got one punch, make it count. And boy, oh. did I make that count because I would throw myself into charitable work, serving others. I mean, talk about the extremes of both. Yeah. There was yeah. never, ever any gray level area in the middle, never. Mm. Oh. And it was, an, it was quite the, the, the moment I left that, because um, I went to then Lou at 14 after this had all kicked off. It was about a week later. And there was an incident at school, and it was a humorous one, and it was one of the very, very few occasions that I'd gone to school. And I was Forrest Madden. There was an Irish international called Tommy Jackson that played number 11 for Forrest at the time. I'm going back to the 70s now. Mm. All the teachers, and this is a very prim and proper old school, you know, and a proper old school traditional grammar school, Victorian principles. If a master walked down the corridor, you have to bow your head. You yeah. didn't make eye contact. Mm. You had you know, the traditional uniform, the school played rugby, and all this very traditional stuff. I had no respect for authority because I'd seen how it had failed. It had failed my mother. It had failed yeah. me. So I thought, this is a jungle. The only way you survive is to you take this in your own hands and you sort it out. No respect whatsoever for authority. Mm. <laughs> I'm in this class this one particular, which was, a, like I say, a unique experience. It was an RE class, yeah. and there was an old war hero called uh, um, Mr. Hamer, little fella, lovely, lovely, lovely old boy he was. Anyway, we're in there, and the deputy head, it was like five to three, five minutes to the bell going for close of, of school, and a knock come on the door. And the deputy head came, and mm. he said, Mr. Hamer, and they, they, they addressed each other as sir. Uh, I've come to pick up low for detention. You must be mistaken, sir. There's nobody in this class called low. And then, you know, it's an old voice. And he said, look around. Yes, yes, there is, sir. That's the boy there pointing at me. No, sir, you're mistaken. That's not low. That's Jackson. Tommy Jackson, sir, is his name. Mm. Well, Alex, this had gone on for three years, by the way. In every every you know subject, thought my name was Tommy Jackson, not Paul Lowe. Well. <laughs> you know, that was quite, that was kind of I suppose the creativity, maybe yes. escapism, yeah. coming out saying, 
you know, I'm creating so many different identities like a chameleon to survive. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> because the reality was I'd lost my own true identity. Yeah. Yeah. And to say the proverbial, it the fan. Mm. Anyway, I got home late that uh, an hour later than normal because I used to be timed. I used to have seven minutes from getting to school to run it home. Good. And yeah. the clock used to be on. And if I was five seconds late, that was extra punishment. Yeah. But by this time, Alex, I'd got – it didn't matter. It just throw at me what you yeah. want. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah right in. So that was kind of the early stages, um, really, that set the tone for, for latter years of what I called, as I say, my emerging from the forest book. And the pun mm. on words, emerging from the forest, my – attachment to Nottingham Forest because mm -hmm. I emerged from that because what I learned out of that, and the learning I took out of um, albeit decades later, Alex, was I gave my power away to a football club. They had control over me. If they won, my life was great. If they lost, my life was bad. Yeah. It was a big mm -hmm. lesson there. So I emerged from the forest and that, I suppose, was one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my life. Don't mm. get, claim your power back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, wow. That's uh, such an amazing uh, story, Paul. I mean, even me listening to that is just, you know, sends cues around the challenge that you've had to go through as a young boy. I mean, and still be there standing is such an incredible story. And in a way, um, you know, how we talk about change, how we affect change and how it comes in three parts, either through chance, choice and crisis. And you are in this crisis and uh, you managed to, you know, somehow get, get through it. But uh, I mean, one uh, question that, that comes to, you know, to mind is that obviously it's an incredible story of, of a challenge that you went through. But uh, when you fast forward, through all the lessons you somehow emerged, you know, um, you know, successful in, in, you know, to, to, a, to a big way. Now, is this, a, because a lot of the successful people I talk to, like on this podcast in the North Circles, most of their stories tends to be characterized by some sort of significant challenge that they've gone through. Do you think this in a way is a, is a, characteristic or a prerequisite of people to emerge successful to have gone through some sort of big crisis of challenge of some sort is that what it takes or is just is that just part of life but there are a lot of people who are just coasting through life just managing to some extent most of them haven't gone through significant challenge certainly not the extent that you would have gone through what, what what are your thoughts around that? You know, to for people to emerge successful, is there an element of some significant challenge that is involved in that process? What would be your thoughts on that? I think that's a phenomenal question, Alex. It really mm. is a phenomenal question, and I don't think with any story there's a nice, convenient, one size fits all answer. And yeah. that's not a get out of jail statement. Yeah. <laughs> But what I will say is I think, you know, when we look at our life story that's, that's and I'm going to be maybe even slightly controversial, pre-scripted for us, we yeah. are called to serve. 
Yeah. And that conditioning that I went through and many others have gone through far worse yeah. is exactly that. Because to use the metaphor of a beautiful flower, a beautiful flower grows out of dark, earthy soil. Yeah. But when mm. the moment's right, that flower will appear and, you know, create beauty in the world. Now, I'm not being self-praising and saying that that is, you know, attributing that sort of metaphoric bouquet to myself. But I'm answering your question, hopefully, in a more generic sense, to say that galvanization that goes with adversity yeah. is that because how can you then reach out with, uh, with authenticity, with empathy to people that are struggling yeah. in whatever struggling or suffering means mm. when you've not been there? You've not yeah. experienced that desperation that I've had enough, I can't cope anymore, I yeah. want to end this. But to then have the faith to know that there's something very, 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 very special that against all the odds, when you're at saying to you, no, I've had enough, your heart's saying, no, you haven't, boy. Yeah, no, you haven't. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's almost like a, this might sound really kind of woo-woo, but yeah. there's that higher self within you that's saying, that spirit, come on, yeah. you're going to be okay. This is tough now, but do not give in. Because do you know what? I'm not going to let you give in. Yeah. And that's happened to me. I, I, I recall an incident, there's been many. You know, when I look at some of the uh, inverted commas scrapes I've been in my life, mm -hmm. I shouldn't be here, I should be dead. Right. And, I have, and you can call it a garden angel, you can call it what you want, Alex, but there is something, uh, Gabby, uh, Gabby Bernstein wrote a book, The Universe Has Your Back. And I absolutely know that from my whole life experiences to mm. be true. Yeah. Because with what's happened in my own journey, my own story defies logic. It's not yeah. logical. You cannot, you can create some fantasy out of it. Yeah. You know, and I do start my stories now, my work with clients, my mentoring work with clients. Once upon a time in a far off land, <laughs> lived the client. He or she, but, and we create this story. Tell me about your story now. Yeah. <laughs> and then we introduce that. Oh, we don't like that page. What if? What if that dark page of desperation was written in a different way? In a different way, yeah. And we go on this voyage of discovery because the reality is, Alex, is it not, that all we've got is here and now. The yeah. stuff that we keep hold of from the past, it's like keeping an old film. Mm. Or an old video. It's like keeping an old um, Betamax video. Yeah, again, I'm showing my age now. Oh, Betamax <laughs> video, blimey. And filming the draw. Can you remember yeah. that? Well, no, we haven't got anything to play that anymore. Oh, Betamax yeah. video. <laughs> or even VHS. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's what we do, isn't it? We keep hold of those tapes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just in case, because that caused me a lot of pain. So I'll keep that tape because there might be some good clues how to avoid it next time. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, there ain't. Mm. No, there ain't. Take yeah. the learning from it and move on. I remember the when I spoke to a guy who was one of my mentors, a guy called Jim Britt. Um, Jim Britt was also a mentor to Tony Robbins. And we was, Jim and I was having a conversation the one day. Um, you know, about this, that, and the other. And I said, oh, Jim. And I thought I was being kind of, you know, uh, quite clever about this. I said, yeah. the most important words in the world, the three most important words, everybody in the world at some time or other has got to have uttered these three immortal words. 
Yeah. I love you. And like the wily old sage that he, he was, stroke is, he just in calmness shook his head and he went, mm. what are you shaking your head for, Jim? What, what do you mean? No. They're not the three most important words, Paul. Mm. What are they then? What are they, Jim? And have you ever noticed with kind of really high-level mentors, and I've yes. had this a few times in my life where it's been kind of been um, shown to me, they don't let you out of jail quickly. They keep you <laughs> hanging. And what's yeah. the NLP term, anchoring? Yeah. They keep you hooked in there. And I saw this in, um, in, in California once with Deepak Chopra as well where, you know, an answer wouldn't be given. In, you, you, the ego wants, put me out, come on, give me the answer. Alex, tell me, tell me, tell me. It's like, no. What do you think? Well, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. What, you know, tell me. It's, yeah. Jim did this to me, and I'm getting very frustrated. It's like, Jim, yeah. please tell me. And he said the three most important words in the world. And it seemed like a lifetime before he told me, probably two minutes, if that. Yeah. Let it go yeah wow let it go take mm. the learning from it <clears throat> and let it go let it go yeah and to me i use the sometimes depending on um the client i'm dealing with but <clears throat> you know i'll share it as a generalization hopefully people don't find it too crude because it's a fact of nature yeah mm. when we take food and drink we take the goodness from that food and that drink and we'll pass the rest as waste. Yeah. That's fact. Mm. And I always say to people, what would happen if you didn't go and pass that waste? Mm. The reality is you'd die. That is, you know, yeah. that, that's scientific fact, biological fact. You would die because of all the toxins and the poisons and everything. Okay. So what if, what if the same principle applied in with our emotions? What mm. about all these experiences that we have? We ingest these experiences. Yeah. What about if we take the goodness from it that's called learning? Yeah. And then we pass the rest as waste. Right. Yeah. What if we did that? But we don't. Because mm. not only do we take the goodness from it, we also keep hold of all the crap. Yeah. And then we wonder why we're dying inside. Mm -hmm. Wow. If that makes sense. That's a, that's a very powerful way to put it. And it's a, makes it, you know, it's very clear. So, yeah, absolutely, Paul. That, that makes great sense. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I guess, <clears throat> you know, in um, the, you know, personal development sense, obviously for you, so many years later, you know, you've developed, you've understood things in a different way. But we also learn and understand that the journeys that we go through as part of our story are actually there for a, a purpose to actually teach us something in the way that you say that, you know, there's lessons if we pick those. But uh, in the moments, especially in the early days, we are not developed enough to understand that that is what is happening. That's why we get embroidered ourselves in all sorts of emotions and certificate. But it comes to the same way that, you know, for people, when they tell their stories, even for you, you probably at some level wouldn't change anything of what 
had happened to you in the early days, unless you have a different view. Because when you look back, you can see how it shaped you, the lessons that it taught you. But now looking at them in a different perspective, you can in a way be gratitude and thankful of everything that happens in our lives. But it's difficult in, in certain spaces and certain times to actually grasp that yes, those things happen for a reason, but it was hard and difficult at the time. What would be your view on that? <clears throat> You're absolutely spot on, Alex. You're absolutely mm. spot on. And I know this over the years has almost become cliched, mm. but I speak with the utmost sincerity when I say I am so grateful for everything mm. that's taking place in my yeah. life, whether the outside world would deem it or label it good or bad or mm. indifferent, because yeah. they're just labels. Yeah. I kind of, I care not, I choose not to deal with labels and I use the mm. proverbial black, white, you know, rich, poor, gay, straight, young, old, they're labels. Yeah. You know, we are beings and we are connected on a metaphysical level mm. and the rest is just stuff. You know, this, even this identity that I am male, I am white, I am 60 years of age. Are you yeah. really Paul? Is that who <laughs> you think you are? Well, that's interesting. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, for me, Alex, that is, you know, that's a good foundation to go on this voyage of discovery. Yeah. Not so much who am I, but a bigger question, who am I becoming? Becoming, so yeah. We're emerging all the time. If we so choose, if we so choose. Yeah. And, you know, certainly from my own point of view, to bring it back to your, your excellent question about, you know, mm. would you change anything? Well, that was my that was my story that was scripted for me. Yeah. What I've learned, the distinguishing factor I've learned now as I've got older is I can actually become the director. I can have a say in the direction of that. I don't have to be the main actor anymore, main actor, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Because me and victim, well, that role's finished. That's finished a long time ago. Why does this always happen to me? To me yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, and even sometimes, Alex, when I you tell that story, people say, "Oh, poor, you know, you poor child." Yeah. No. Yeah. That I was with a friend of mine recently. There was four of us out for a, for a dinner, um, and this friend of mine, um, she was talking about when she was raped twice as a, as a teenager, and I was telling my thing. And, she, and this, this couple that's kind of sitting was, "Oh, that's horrific," and you know, blah blah blah. And, wow, how did you survive? And yeah. and we just said, you know, the same thing. And and yet again, I know it's become cliched, but yeah. we are both so, so grateful for the path that we've been led because it gives us that, well, it's led us to a place where we're meant to be. To be now, yeah. what's meant to be, you know, and I think as part of the human ego, we want that. We want that need for certainty. We want to control. We want definite mm -hmm. answers. We want to know that one and one always mm -hmm. equals two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, who says it does? Just because that's yeah. the way you're taught at school, or that's the way your parents, people do the best they can do from their level of awareness. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it wrong. It makes it their level of awareness. Mm. So what I've learned to do, and those seeds for change were planted at a very, very early age with me. I question mm. everything. Not yeah. just to be awkward, but it's like, okay, so you're telling that person to do that. What gives mm. you the right? Why? Why, you know, if it's challenging or adverse or it's yeah. causing misery or suffering, it's like, what gives you the Who on earth? One of my favorite hashtags. Who on earth do you think you are? 
what gives you that right? Mm. Because yeah. that connection that we have, Alex, as I say, to metaphor, you know, we are one. And I know that can be deemed very, you know, ultra-spiritual, but it's, you know, mm. for me it's true. And I have the scars to be able to tell the story from, from fear to love because yeah. that is the answer. And I've yeah. developed, I mean, well, right at the middle of developing a seven-step process, somebody who I respect immensely said to me recently, Paul, you need to, how did you go from that? Yeah. To that? And I said, flipping, it was easy. It was in seven stages. Mm. It probably wasn't easy because it's took me a lifetime to, but now I look back, I always remember Robin saying, you can change your life in a heartbeat. And I used to think, what? That's, <laughs> that's just American hype. Yeah. But do you know what, Alex? I now know it to be true. Mm. If you've got somebody like a mentor that yeah. can guide you there, that's the key thing. I didn't have mm. a mentor. I had some great people around me, particularly women folk. Yeah. If it wasn't for womankind, mm. I wouldn't be here. It was that love, that light of love that said, you mm. know what? This is what this is worth fighting. This is what life's all about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and that, and that's uh, that's such a great point you mentioned there, isn't it? Because in a way, it's it's leverage, isn't it? Because you are leveraging, you know, maybe the knowledge and information and the experiences of people who have had the benefit of some challenges, so that at least it takes you quicker, like you mentioned, in just a heartbeat to actually make the change that you need and mentors can be, you know, great, you know, for the, those, those kind of things. So um, now moving on to the next stages of your life, like what happened to flip everything to actually move from this into love and the successes that you, you, you further managed to achieve. So just take us through that second stage then. <laughs> I think when you look at the the all important thing, this is love, and that love was yeah. there mm. from a very, very, very early age. That was my first understanding awareness of life. You know, pre my mother marrying the beast, that blissful kind of happiness, yeah. um, and then there were quite some very strong aspects of love that were bestowed upon me, um, mainly through my relationships with. Mm. Um, some amazing, amazing ladies um, yeah. that, that have guided me through with light. They, yeah. they were gifts that were sent. I have, you know, the fact that after, it's ironic that three of those four relationships all lasted 10 years. Maybe I need to have a look at this 10-year thing. 10-year <laughs> <laughs> um, thing, yeah. <laughs> um, and mm. then the other one, which was three and a half years, but yeah. everyone planted as another significant level of deepening that love of humanity, of, of beings, yeah. you know, and, and that really reinforced to me and started to reinforce as the years and decades went by, um, Alex, about my re my raison d'etre, my reason, my purpose for yeah. being here. Yeah. It's as, you know, it's as a messenger of love because, Paul, that's the message you've been given. You've been shown this despite all the challenges, despite challenges. all the adversity. Look, yeah. you're still here. You've still got that glow in your heart that's called love. Now, yeah. you go out just as you've been taught. Now you go out and teach, so yeah. to speak. And yeah. that was very instrumental, 
Alex, informing my, my five values. And these values are so, so, so deep. I call them the five L's. The mm -hmm. first one is life. Yeah. Without life, there is nothing. Yeah. Preserve it. It's sacred. No matter how desperate and dark things are, even attempting suicide, if that's the only mm -hmm. option, just know that tomorrow, just as the, the nighttime is dark, tomorrow mm -hmm. the sun will rise. Will rise, yeah. Yeah. Have the faith. Have the mm -hmm. faith. So life. The second L is learning. Go on a voyage of discovery. Mm -hmm. Create a different script for your life. Create a different story. Be prepared to share your story. That cathartic nature of, of, of sharing, of speaking, of writing. Yeah. You know, when Moody Blues created that record, Nights in White Satin, and a line mm -hmm. from that iconic record, letters I've written never meaning to send. Yeah. Write wow. yourself a letter and tell yourself how angry you are or how whatever. Mm -hmm. Dump yeah. that emotion on that paper. Mm -hmm. And I've done this. Letters I've written never meaning to send. You know, when yeah. I split up from somewhere, which is it certainly in those days been my fault because my drinking stupidity or whatever it was. Mm. Um, I'd write this letter and I'd lash out and I'd blame the other person. It's yeah. not me. Why don't you understand what I'm going through? Yeah. And it's letting go of that, saying, Paul, yeah. create a different story. You've bought this. You take the responsibility. You've created yeah. this situation. You. Absolutely. Change the story. Yeah. Direct the film. Don't become the actor. That's powerful. And so that's the learning. Mm. The one that sits in the middle, by no coincidence, Alex, the fulcrum, is loving. Yeah. Learning love. People talk about self-love. It comes in many ways. You know, for me, it came, it started with the matriarchal love of my grandmother and my mother. Mm. In latter years, it was the love of girlfriends and, uh, and partners. Amazing. The power mm. of love. The love of animals. You know, yeah. when I see something like a defenseless animal, I just really want to love that that being yeah. and protect it and nurture it because that's maybe a still a part of the past condition is I will fight for the underdog and I will protect to yeah. the best of my ability because that's kind of how I see my, my sole purpose or yeah. part of it. So that loving, that sacred yeah. loving. The fourth one is the legacy. So mm. you... You've gone on this journey of self-discovery. You've learned about things. You've learned about the most priceless thing, and that's love. Yeah. Love, yeah. Create a legacy by passing those messages on. Yeah. yeah. And not only passages, but passing those messages on, Alex, prove it. Show people what love really is, and that mm. shows in a whole different host of ways. Of ways, yeah. yeah. You know, to that arm around the shoulder, with a stranger, that look in the eye. Yeah. There's a there's a great story I share, and it's a true. This one is a true one as well. Where Oprah Winfrey um, and her, her mentor, the late great Maya Angelou. So Oprah came back uh, one day. It was probably about five or six years ago. This, and she said to to Maya, she said, um, Maya, Maya. She said, my greatest legacy is about to unfold. All these new schools in Africa for these girls that are being abused. She said, mm. we'll save thousands and thousands and thousands. And she said, it's great. The most powerful legacy ever for these, these new schools in Africa. 
Mm. Maya, yet again, like the wise old sage that she was, she just went. Mm. Yeah, 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 it is. <laughs> no, mm. you don't know what your legacy is. None of us do. Yeah. This will be it. She said, your legacy is that stranger you smiled at at the bus stop this morning. That that old person you may have carried their bag from the supermarket to the car or to the bus stop or whatever. Yeah. That random stranger that you just gave that knowing smile to, that touch on the shoulder, that, hello, how's your day? Are you okay? Mm -hmm. That is your greatest legacy. Okay. And that, Alex, is the catalyst for world game changes because – when right. people say, oh, that's a big title, Paul. I'm a world game changer. Who am I? I've never done anything, haven't you? How do you know what you have and mm. haven't done? Because none yeah. of us really do. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it all comes together, you know, your life, learning the love and that legacy as well. So, um, and, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, you talked before about the energy and, uh, you know, how you know the frequency that we are made i mean just listening to your story i can just uh feel whether in some sort of uh spiritual or whatever how you emanate all these uh you know things that you mentioned about life learning love and and the legacy as as well so it's 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 interesting you know hearing you go through and talk about that and actually at some level that being reflective of how you present yourself, yourself, how you turn up and the things that you actually do as well through, you know, the game changes, speaking from our, uh, our hearts and all those kind of things. So it's absolutely amazing how, how these, these things come about. So, um, now you, you talk about the legacy and the love, um, coming through the, the, uh, game changes as well as uh, speaking from your hearts. Just talk us through a bit more about those, how they actually came about and how they've uh, flourished in the way. Mm, okay. Mm. So that nicely segues actually, Alex, into the fifth L, which I didn't mention, and that's loyalty. Yeah. Loyalty, yeah. Mm -hmm. and loyalty. And what I mean by that is to thine own self, be true. Be yeah. loyal to yourself. Mm -hmm. swim against the tide. You know, I've never ran with the crowd. Um, mm. I didn't know why. Now I understand why. You yeah. know, I think it was George, was it George Best who said once, um, if you want to be a conductor, you have to turn your back on the orchestra or on the audience, sorry, on yeah. the audience. If you yeah. want to be a conductor, yeah. turn your back on the audience. Yeah. You're facing the, the, the music, you know, the, um, the musicians. Mm -hmm. And that brings us in being true to myself because I think my life's evolved, Alex. We're intellectually or rationally. This is like, Paul, what are you doing? You know, yeah. I've been labeled from a very early age misfit, weird, antisocial, mm. crackpot, crazy. All mm -hmm. the, you know, I grew up with this. It's like, I don't really care. Yeah. I knew I was different, but then again, we're all different. Different, you know? yeah, absolutely. Just because <laughs> I don't run with the crowd or do what people tell me to do because they want me to do it, I need a better reason for that. I need a deeper reason. Is it yeah. going to contribute? Is it going to spread the word of love? Is it going to help people? Now I'm listening. But if it's just for your own self-gratification or boosting your ego, quite yeah. frankly, I'm not interested. Yeah, absolutely. 
So using that as a platform, Alex, from what you've brought in about speaking from our hearts, one of the things that I learned from a very early age is, is that. Learn to speak from your heart. Speak yeah. the truth. Some people are going to like it. Some people are not going to like it. The bottom line, so what? Yeah. It's your truth. To, your, to thine own self be true. You mm. are the only one that matters in this world because without you being the very, very, very best you can be, mm. you've got nothing to give to anyone else anyway. Yeah, absolutely. You know, which kind of brings in that example of put your own oxygen mask on first. First, yeah. <laughs> you know, now that's challenging and it's contentious, but I absolutely get the principle of it. I yeah. need to look after me first before I can give you anything. Time, be that emotion, be be whatever, even money. I need to have it in my pocket, which is actually a slight contradiction because I got myself in a lot of debt by funding initiatives, charitable initiatives that I couldn't afford. I borrowed the money on credit cards and that yeah. kind of thing because I believed in the cause and and I didn't have the wherewithal to pay it back. So when yeah. people say you cannot give what you do not have, it's not no. strictly true because I did for many years. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's probably another big topic, isn't it? Around you know what do we have? Because at some level, there's abundance in the world. I mean, you only have to see at you know the stars and people and everything. You know, it's it's everything is abundant. So um, yeah, in in a way, everything is there. You can give. You know what, and and giving is like you mentioned. It's all in different sorts of ways, isn't it? And uh, you know, the money part is 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 another element of that. But um, yeah, it's it's just um, um, amazing to understand uh, all all the things that are out there in in the in the universe and uh, how we can bring everything together. Um, so I guess. Um, Moving forward, I guess, you know, we go through uh, these, uh, you know, your life, learning, love, legacy, and the loyalty. Uh, in terms of the um, sort of uh, overall higher picture, because as you know, as people, in a way, we're always evolving. There is always a higher level of consciousness to attain out there. You know, the things that we understand now may not be the same in 20 years or 50 years time. We are always are striving to grow. And uh, that's why, you know, you, you never judge anything that, that is happening. It's probably people at different levels of consciousness and understanding. So for you, what what is the what does the future hold or what does it look like what is the vision other than emitting and giving love to to people or how does or what does the the uh the vision look like for you for humanity i could go very very deep on that alex and i think that that is a whole new topic um, yeah. and another time another place but what yeah. i will say is i surrender to source yeah. I surrender to source. It's not mm -hmm. about me. You know, with yeah. World Game Changes, which is escalating um, and becoming, um, you know, a good thing and a big mm -hmm. good thing. Yeah. And people say, Paul, well, it's amazing what you're doing. No, 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 please. It's not what I'm doing. Yeah. I am an instrument in the process. Yeah. And there's a big difference. Rather, yeah. you know, it's quite flattering to the ego when people throw those metaphoric books. Oh, Paul, this and, you know, new books yeah. and 
world game changes and yeah and a new forest planted in Ghana and you know mm. said, you know or X or Y or Z yeah so it's yeah. you know I do allow it consciously allow it to flirt with the ego for a couple of moments because we are mm. humans yeah well yeah. that's a part of our makeup that's a part of our identity that's a part of our awareness mm. in this role that we play but we are a trillion times more so it's about having that balance between yeah. observing who am I now? Even in this conversation, what am I saying? Yeah. Which yeah. part of me is saying that? You know, am I getting excited and really going back into the good old ego days? <laughs> oh, Alex, and you know, did I tell you I scored that winning goal at Wembley? And did I tell you that? Yeah. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm. That What's that doing for humanity? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. So to answer your question, Alex, a very broad, I surrender to source because there is a higher there is a higher power now for someone yeah. and that's not for me to put on the table what that is because i personally have come mm. to know that that is one of the most powerful if not the most powerful relationship we can ever have we now for have. some people that will be god for some people that will be spirit it will mm. be universe it will be higher power whatever that is yeah and for those that doubt that I always use this example of this this amazing contraption here, which I think mm. most of us have got nowadays, called yeah. a mobile phone. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got this simple, not so simple gadgetry. I mean, this thing does more or less does everything but cook the dinner. And I'm sure you can find an app that will cook the dinner for you. Cook the dinner. That's beyond me. How simple yeah. hello, goodbye does me. Uh, <laughs> but the point is... Alex, is part of a story, because we use metaphors in stories, don't we? Yeah, yeah. You know, if we go back to biblical times, Christ spoke in parables. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's great power in that. So going back to the mobile phone, an amazing, an amazing piece of technology, whatever you want, whatever you want to call it. However, it is extremely limited. Because it needs something external to control it. It mm -hmm. needs me to dial a number. It needs me to press the call button. And I'm talking, but that's only half the equation. So I'm talking away. Hello, Alex. Yes, Alex. No, Alex. Blah, 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 blah. How's the goldfish? How's the cat? How's blah, 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 blah. Alex, are you there? Alex. Alex, where are you? Alex. The battery's gone flat. Yeah. Done. Okay. The mobile phone is useless. The metaphor there, Alex, is we're like mobile phones because without plugging into an external source, yeah. we're, pow we're powerless. Yeah. I see. Wow. Part of that journey of, you know, a higher power, a bigger power, call it what you will, is finding out what that source is on that voyage of discovery because mm. that really, really power charges you to then surrender and serve and yeah. that's really the best way i can kind of at this level without going really 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 deep deep yeah that's an excellent question you've just asked yeah uh, that, that's brilliant and in a way that's that uh the level of consciousness as well isn't it you know when you you, you understand that it's not about you you're just a vehicle to sort of uh uh you know help other people as well on the way um just um talk us through a bit more around the game changers speak from our hearts and 
what they are, maybe for some of our listeners who are not very familiar with them, how they can get involved and what's, what's the processes around those. Mm. So I formed a, a movement called Speaking From Our Hearts because basically that was a metaphor for truth, to thine mm. own self be true. Speak your truth. It's going yeah. to land with some people. It's not going to land with others. Who cares? You're mm. speaking your truth. You are yeah. living your life to your full potential about yeah. you, yeah. whether it's your mother, your partner, your children, whether they approve or disapprove, actually becomes irrelevant. Irrelevant, yeah. You know, mm. my kids, I've got a fantastic relationship with, with my, th my three kids, but they think I'm not. They think mm. I'm crazy because they don't understand the world I live in. Yeah. And that's fine doesn't stop us loving each other and respecting each other, which we do immensely, but yeah. we're different. And mm. the world's big enough for difference and diversity. It's fine. Mm. It's great. Yeah. Embrace it. Don't fight it. Why do we need to fight? Yeah. We don't. <laughs> I spent all my life fighting, or the biggest part of it. It gets you nowhere. It's a waste of energy. Completely. Yeah. Completely. Um, so I formed this movement, Alex, called Speaking From Our Hearts, because it was exactly that. Learn to speak your truth from your heart. Yeah. And what fell out of that was a podcast. So I called the podcast um, Speaking From Our Hearts. Yeah. I created books around it. Um, mm. There's currently five volumes out. There's going to be a maximum of 10 volumes. There's five out at the, at the present moment in time. Mm. Um, around, you know, where people share their stories and anthologies mm. around a given uh, topic. Yeah. So the one that's coming out on the 1st of October, for example, is about embracing uncertainty. Mm. So people share stories mm. about how vulnerable they've been in their life and how uncertain because of X, and this is how they got through it. Yeah. Mm. So, but then I realized, actually, speaking from our hearts was kind of a metaphor for awareness, and awareness is phenomenal. Mm. But on its own... It's not enough. Yeah. We need to take action. Action. Yeah. We need to marry awareness to action. Mm. Then we've got something really powerful. And that was the basis, Alex, for uh, 14, 15 months ago, forming World Game Changers. Yeah. Because I've come to know that each and every one of us, whether we're aware of it or not, is actually here and now at this moment a World Game Changer. Mm. You know, they may not be doing monumental things with schools in Africa or planting forests in Ghana or whatever it is. Yeah. But always remember that simple smile to the stranger. Yeah. It's and people empty. say, well, you know, the little things don't matter that much. Do they not? Mm. You try walking around with a pebble in your shoe and tell me that little things don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Because you'll be in pain. Mm. And it is the little things that matter. But I think, you know, such is the, the media expectation of society in general, Alex, that we've got, everything's got to be big. Everything's got to be grandiose. Everything's got to be blockbuster. No, yeah. it's happening. Yeah, yeah. To quote John Major, let's bring it back to basics. The basics, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, that, that's an, an amazing way to put it, actually, isn't it? Because even even when you look at, uh, you know, success and people who have uh, achieved bigger things, in most cases, it hasn't just been an overnight thing. It's the little things that you're doing consistently over an extended period of time. That's what makes the, 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 the bigger things. So, yeah. yeah, that's a great way that you, you put it, actually, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, you look at the success of the 2012 Olympic cycling team with um, mm-hmm. Sir Dale Brailsford, and it was <laughs> what you just said there, Alex. You know, yeah. just we've got a routine, and we'll make a margin. They talk about it in football these days: marginal, mm-hmm. marginal gains, marginal gains. Yeah. But that half a millimeter, over compounded over time, yeah. grows into one millimetre, five millimetres, 10 metres, 100 metres, 50 miles, whatever it is. Mm. You know, and it's about those little, little incremental, but we've mm. lost sight of that, I think, as yeah. it's from humanity's perspective. Mm. So, you know, World Game Changes is now formed. As I say, it's 14, 15 months old. We've got a, um, we've got a global tribe. It's growing by the week. Um, mm. And it's very, very simple. You know, so... Yes, there is a mission statement. Yes, there is a vision statement. But I saw it all very simply, Alex, by saying, and one of the great guides in, in, in my past, uh, great influence has been the, the late, great Dr. Stephen Covey. Mm. Most people know Dr. Covey from his Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. People, yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably less or fewer know about his ninth habit, and it's very simple, and it's been a monumental guide in life for me, Alex, and, and certainly the catalyst behind um, will game changes and his ninth habit simply states leave the world a better place than it was when you got here yeah wow yeah that's a powerful message that's a powerful message because in a way it culminates into everything that we do isn't it if you have that level of consciousness and you're thinking what is it that i'm doing now is it leaving the world in a better place whether it's making that person smile or helping them with their shopping or, or whatever, mm. or, you know, looking after the planet by, you know, not doing some things that are harmful. So that level of consciousness is, you know, amazingly key, as you put it. So absolutely amazing, Paul. I'm, I'm sure, you know, from your great wisdom, I mean, I can spend the whole day <laughs> speaking to you, and I'm sure I haven't even tapped in uh, through, you know, just been a small percentage of the things that you know you your level of consciousness and things that we can share but it's been absolutely amazing so for our listeners who would be interested to maybe get in touch with you or hear more about you or tap into some of your resources how can they uh, find you or get involved in some of the initiatives that you're doing Thank you, Alex. And, you know, I want to say at this stage, it has been, and I, you know, yet again, I know this can all, almost sound cliche, but I really do honour and really deeply appreciate this opportunity yeah. to, yeah. you know, to, to talk to you. Uh, you know, you've hosted this, you've given me your time, you've given yeah. me your facility, you've listened very, very intently, and mm. I really do respect that. And I just sincerely hope that, you know, your listeners, um, you know, take some, if just one one useful thing out of it. So I honor that, that time and space you've given me, Alex. Thank you. Um, To go over to my contact details, probably the two primary websites. So for my commercial, my more commercial side of things, uh, my mentoring um, around purposefulness is uh, www.paul-low.com, paul-low.com. And for the world game changes, the charitable, the community side of, uh, of the, you know the growing tribe that um, that's evolving, that's uh, worldgamechangers.org. Yeah. So that will be um, 
www.world yeah gamechangers.org yeah changes.org that's changes with an s yeah mm -hmm. yes yes mm -hmm. so the world game changes.org yeah <clears throat> Absolutely. So yeah, that that's absolutely great, Paul. I'm sure there will be um, a lot of interest from our listeners to sort of uh, get in touch. You know, join the community, see how they can also you know put up their story. Because a lot of people, there is all this uh, element of comparing ourselves with other people's. And oh, you know, Paul's story is so amazing. I mean, mine will just be dwarfed. It's nothing compared to what so-and-so has gone through and what this person has gone. And then in the end, we just sit still and just watch and admire. But every story, like you say, is quite unique. And you never know what element of your story will actually move someone in a way. Um, that's why I guess there, there was a story of a preacher who, um, you know, was expecting a big crowd to turn up, but only like one person or two person turned up. But he still gave his... Uh, you know, sermon and, and preach it just as uh, enthusiastic as he would have done with a thousand. And that one person who took it ended up spreading it to the masses because, you know, it's just the little seed. You never know where it goes. So it's absolutely, you know, imperative that whatever the story is, you know, we absolutely share it and spark that love to people. And, you know, just in the same way that, uh, you know, you, you, you give as well. For me, absolute pleasure as well. You giving your time as well to actually speak to our listeners and spread the love and everything that you've, you've shared with us. So it's been an absolute pleasure uh, for me. And uh, I'm sure this is not the last, you know, I'll be part of the World Game Changes and the community to speak from their hearts. And I'll actually join you in spreading this message and level of consciousness with people just so like you put it, to leave the world a better place than we actually found it. So mm. it's an absolute pleasure speaking to you, Paul. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. <laughs> and maybe, Alex, maybe the, you know, the fact that um, you've hosted today and given that space, mm. you know, what about Alex? What about Alex's story? Because we haven't heard too much about Alex's story. And maybe <laughs> this is a great opportunity for Alex to come on World Game Changers podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I wouldn't say turn the tables, but actually, yeah, turn the tables. Let's hear that yeah. story. And then listeners, absolutely. you talk about that word compare. Well, there should never be any comparison. Yes. It's a creative human nature that, you know, we kind of do like to compare, mm. but not from any point of view of comparison, Alex, but to just, okay, this is the world of Alex, because I want to hear it for a start. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Now, it will be an absolute pleasure as well, to, you know, to come and uh, uh, speak for my heart, you know, share my story. And uh, if I can touch, you know, someone, you know, somewhere, spark that light, it will be uh, an absolute honor for me. So thank you very much for the for the invite. And yeah, let's uh, let's sort something, and uh, it'd be an honor to to share my story as well. <laughs> Immense gratitude once again, Alex. Thank you All so right. much. All right, perfect. Thank you very much, Paul. So enjoy the rest of your day, and an absolute pleasure again speaking to you today. Okay. Speak soon, Alex. Thank you. Right. Thank you.
Bye. Bye. Bye.